0: Book two, you think, would be so much easier than book one. But book two comes with all those pressures and expectations of, okay, I have to make this so much better than book one. Instead of, I have to address, you know, a lot of the critiques and criticism uh, that, that people said. But still, I have to keep the really good parts that people said, you know, to keep. And you, it really gets into your head. And, and then that whole imposter syndrome, you know, really can play with your mind.
1: What Were You Thinking? The podcast that goes beyond the pages of the books we love. I'm your host, Dana Goldstein, and I invite you to join me as we ask authors to share the story behind their stories. In this episode, I have an engaging conversation with P.L. Stewart, author of A Drowned Kingdom. A Drowned Kingdom is a high fantasy and quite the accomplishment for a debut novel. The characters and the story are engaging, adventurous, and very exciting. We talk about the writing process, we talk about self-publishing, and we talk about how P.L managed to outline seven books in this series. And one more note, I had some microphone issues, my big fat hands when I grabbed the mic, toggled a switch. So I sound like I'm in a cave and I'm sorry for that. You've done so many interviews, Paul. Like I honestly have never seen somebody so active in the podcast and print community with the interviews and the news pieces. Congratulations on that.
0: Oh, well, thank you. That's uh, Deb and I, that's part of the marketing strategy. Um, as you know, you know, how do you get yourself heard above the noise, right? And, and I figured, fortunately, I'm one of those people that I'm okay with doing interviews and putting myself out there. Our strategy was get yourself out there as much as possible, Um, Let people know who you are, let them get to know you about the book. And it's all part of the branding.
1: It's kind of like getting a tattoo. The first one is the most awkward. (laughs) I don't have any tattoos, so I can't speak from experience. But I did once when I was a reporter, write a feature story about tattoos. So I kind of understand that after the first, it's like addictive.
0: Yeah, hopefully it's not a regret tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, oh, my God. Uh, They're going to see that. I don't want them to see that.
1: Tell us about A Drowned Kingdom. Let me just say this first for my listeners. This is not a book I would have ever picked up on my own. I'll be completely candid. This is, high fantasy is not a genre I normally read. You know, I suck back how I feel about high fantasy. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I just don't read it. And I wanted to give myself time to get soaked into the story surprised the hell out of me how much I enjoyed A Drowned Kingdom. Oh, I'm honored. How would you convince somebody who would never read high fantasy that they should read A Drowned Kingdom?
0: Uh, Here comes the elevator pitch. You should read A Drowned Kingdom because if you want to see how a flawed, privileged, bigoted, controversial uh, main character deals with catastrophe, confusion, and his beliefs being challenged, and everything he knows in the world being turned upside down. And if you enjoy, you know, a bit of high fantasy, a bit of mysticism, uh, swords and sorcery type of stuff, uh, and you uh, are fascinated at all with the legend of Atlantis, then that's the book for you.
1: I really didn't know what to expect going in. And you took me on this journey that was fulfilling to say the least. Why did you decide to self-publish this?
0: Well, uh impatience, I guess. I normally I'm a very patient person, Dana, but um I got to the point in my life where finally I was in the headspace and and largely thanks to my extremely supportive and loving wife Debbie, who's my partner in this uh entrepreneurial endeavor. You know, it was getting late in life. I think you get to 50 and you realize you probably have more years behind you than ahead and if you have something you really want to do, when are you going to do it? If you haven't done it already. And for me, that thing that I really wanted to do was writing a book. It was the right time. So, uh, and I figured knowing the publishing process, knowing how long it could potentially take to uh, query, obtain an agent, then have that agent shop your book, uh, secure a publisher, and then waiting in the publication queue, uh, publication queues for traditional publishers are not as expedient as uh, self-publishing. So. Um, knowing all that, that could wind up to be a 10-year wait. That would put me at 60. So, uh, yeah, I decided, um, you know, the, the the best way for me to do this uh, was to to expedite this, was to go the self-publishing route.
1: Just to give you a little bit of context here, I started writing my first memoir in January of 2017. I wrote the book, had it edited a couple of times by a, a structural editor, a content editor, and a proofreader hired the graphic designer, did the layout, and hit publish on Amazon in January of 2018. So that one took a year. I started Murder On My Mind, my second memoir, in April of 2020 and hit publish on that one in February of 2021. I started writing the first of two middle grade novels in the summer of 2017. I wrote that book on and off for a couple of years. And in 2019, I handed that to my agent who started shopping. It took us over two years to find a publishing company. And now book one will be available sometime in 2023. It's a long process. How long did it take
0: you to write the first book? Well, that's a a bit of a complex answer because the first book that I wrote is actually the entire, what will become the entire seven book uh, John Kingdom saga. So the the shell, the the cursory parts of the book are all, were all written out as one book. Um, So, you know, 800 pages, 900 pages of, of manuscript draft. And then you go, well, okay, you you start doing your homework and realizing that, you know, um, unless you're George R. R. Martin or, you know, Brandon Sanderson, et cetera, uh, you know, the chances of someone reading an 800, 900-page book from a novice author are slim. Just the size alone might deter someone. And then you start looking at other things, Um, you know, the the fact that, you know, the more books you have out there, uh, potentially, the better you can sell and market your series. So I thought, well, why don't I just split this? You know, massive, massive. talk about tome. Well, when I split that into seven, and that's seven books. So uh, that took me about three years to uh, to write. So, but the 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 actual novel that you read uh, that took me a year to revise and 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 kind of enhance and get ready for publication.
1: So the bones for all seven are already down. You just need to now take this like each part and flesh it out.
0: Yes. And, and there's a few uh, additional plot threads that I've added. Some have taken away. So uh, it should take me roughly because of the fact that again, the bones are already there. It should take me roughly a year to write each book. So my plan is to produce uh, each book in the series, roughly a year apart. So the next book, The Last of the Atalanteans will be in the spring of 2022 and then hopefully Uh, Book three, uh, which will be entitled Lord and King, will come out uh, in 2023. And then uh, the subsequent books in the series, uh, four more books after that, uh, will come out each year. I have two other separate prequel trilogies planned, and then another seven-book saga. So uh, I believe that I will be pitching uh, to an agent at some point one or all of those works. Uh, We'll see what happens, because there's no guarantees. I might never get picked up. Uh, and if it doesn't, I'll probably self-publish them. So um, you know, I, I hope I'm in a decent position, no matter what, that I'm I'm able to self-publish, which is great. Uh, and then if I do query and for, and and I win the lottery and 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 get successful and end up successfully secure an agent and a book deal, then you know I can do that. And and as you know, Dana, like the industry is changing now. I have friends that have gone through different iterations of publishing. They started off trad, they went to self, they went back to trad, vice versa. So You know, who knows uh, what's going to happen. But uh, right now, the plan is to self-publish some book. In my mind, I had one chance to get this right if I was going the self-publishing route, I had one chance to, uh, you know, they say about making a first impression, you know, that saying, I I figured I I had one chance to make a first impression and a good one, so I figured pairing with a top-notch self-publishing assist company would allow me to facilitate that first impression.
1: Who are your writing influences?
0: Oh, wow. Um, there's several. Um, Bernard Cornwell, N.K. Jemison, John Gwynn, J.R. R. Tolkien, George R. R. Martin. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do harken back to the classics a lot for my writing. If you've read my book, so you know it's it's written in that old style, um, you know, that's that potentially can be perceived as a bit archaic. But, you know, my background is... Uh, Medieval uh, literature, English literature, and, and a minor in history. So, um, I write the kind of books that I love to read, and hopefully, other people will too. And it's high fantasy in, in the vein of of I think the Tolkien's and the, you know, the Martins, etc. So, uh, those are those are definitely some of my influences.
1: What was the one book that made you decide you wanted to maybe be a writer?
0: I think the one book that maybe me that I want to be a writer was uh, Return of the King by J.R.R. Tolkien, the last um, book in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and why specifically Return of the King was because the scale and the epic nature of the book um, and the wrapping up all these loose ends and bringing all these plot threads together, you know, and then just this, after reading the first two books, and realizing that this man created a whole universe and it was flawless. He had his own languages and, and it was so epic in nature. I'm like, I wanna write a book that hopefully someone, you know, 50, 60, 70 years, 80 years after I'm dead will still uh, wanna read and would and be spoken about. And I know those are very grandiose aspirations that very few of us achieve, but um, yeah, that, that made me want to you know uh, uh, write a novel.
1: Okay. Your day job. You, you said you're in federal law enforcement. Can we say if it's RCMP?
0: Uh, Well, I, 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 I won't say Uh, we can talk about it off (laughs) camera. Um, You know, I won't say only out of respect for my employer, but it is federal law enforcement. Um, You know, it is sort of, I do work for Canada and I am proud um, to stand on guard. Um, I've been doing that for, you know, 16 years uh, in that, Particular agency, but part of that I was also in law enforcement as a peace officer at the provincial level, and um, you know it's it's <laughs> it's a job that um, you know I'm honored to do. Again, I work with fantastic, dedicated people that do a lot of unsung, uh, glorious work that will never get heard about uh, or recognized. But that's not why they do it. Um, they do it because um, they want to make a difference and they love their country. I very much feel it is. Uh, at a certain point, it becomes a young person's game. Y- you know it's time to uh, do something different, and uh, that's something different for me is writing. Um, you know, my career has given me all the benefits in the world. Um, I-, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be able to uh, self-publish if it wasn't for you know the fantastic uh, salary and benefits and things that it affords you. But, uh, yeah, I do love my job. It's-, it's something different every day. It's been very exciting, um, you know, and uh, and I am very proud to do it.
1: So is that why you write under a pseudonym?
0: uh it's one of the reasons uh, just you know and i mean in this day and age you can find out everything about anybody if you really want to and, and when you're in law enforcement i mean you do enough things that are, are are publicly available whether it's ticket or summonses or going to court where people can easily find out who you are you know you have social media you know but just to give a little bit of distance uh, nominally between uh, my my one life as as a law enforcement officer and the other one as a writer but actually it's much more my, my 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 pen name is much more of a an homage to uh my mother uh carmen uh who uh you know is i always say that as i dedicated my book to a drowned kingdom is the best writer in the family uh she never uh, actually published but uh she should have i wish she did
1: so your mother is a writer
0: well, she actually wrote uh, a book as she wrote several, uh, she sent it out. Um, she submitted it to try and get it published. Uh, she got rejected. She got one rejection and for her, that was it. She's like, you know what? I, I gave it a shot, uh, it didn't work. And I was like, mom, you know, like, and even back then I was very young, uh, you know, I knew enough to know that, Hey mom, you know, I, I, I hear a lot of writers to get tons, hundreds of rejections until they get it. she's like, no, that's what I tried. And I thought it was wonderful. She wrote romance um you know i thought i always thought one day i'd see my mom you know i pick uh, you know back then it was on those uh you know you go to the, the the corner store, see those harlequin romances those paperbacks um i always thought you know that'd be my mom and you know but no she was satisfied with just having written the book and i was also part of my inspiration that you know i wanted to uh complete that dream in our family that i would actually publish something so it was a it was a great motivator for me knowing how talented my mom was that that she never published
1: are you crying? Cause I'm totally crying. What was the most challenging scene for you to write?
0: Um, there's several. Um, one of the most challenging scenes for me to write is there's a scene uh, where Othron is speaking to his cousin, Glayton, and they're standing on a beach and um, without spoilers, they're talking about um, uh heritage. Uh, let's say, and, 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 and Glatham mentions to him, you know, often picking out, you know, all the issues and challenges he has regarding his heritage and Glatham points out to, him, well, no, I think the biggest thing you're dealing with is, is surrounding your identity and, and who your father is. And, and, uh, that, um, my father, uh, left my mother when I, when she was, uh, you know, when I was very young, a baby, so I, I didn't have a father, my uncle, um, you know, who I love her brother is my father figure and lots of great father figures in my life, but uh, there was no father. And I think that scene, um, brought back a lot of, brought out a lot of emotions, um, you know, for me personally about, uh, what it's like to have that, uh, well, in often's case, a bit of ambiguity, uh, again, without, you know, with, with um, too much No spoilers, lore. yeah, <laughs> no spoilers, but for me, just, um, you know, you 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 grew up your life without having a father and um you know it's one of those things where you know you you uh it hark it references back to to that part of your life so i think that was that was one of them i'd say the other one um has to be when um it's actually the very beginning of the book um when authoring is reflecting on what's happened and he's thinking about children i know that in my law enforcement career we deal with a lot of difficult situations when terrible things happen to adults. That's something that isn't uh, can't be emotionally trying. But when something happens to children, um, we all know that it, it really, especially as parents, it really pulls at our heartstrings. So when Auckland's, um standing and reflecting about the fate of some children, and the fact that in his life uh, he's grown up, uh, you know, without a mother, um, that that whole thing was 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 quite emotional for me. Just thinking about uh, the whole context surrounding uh, all that, so. Those are two emotional scenes.
1: How many times did you rewrite that fight scene in the, in in the, I don't know if it was a gorge or a valley, but you know the one I'm talking uh-huh. about, right? Uh-huh. Down one side, up the other. How did you have to rewrite that many times?
0: No, it's funny. And this is the funniest thing, Dana. Like I did not think that of, of all the skills, if I have any skill with writing, you know, we all, we all have our own um, opinions about, what we're good at, yes. writing or otherwise. And I never thought that battle scenes would be something that I would be, uh, that I would receive accolades for. However, after I wrote the book, I think one of things that stood out with the feedback, everybody's was like, oh my gosh, your battle scenes are amazing. I'm like, really? Okay, well, that's, I thought if anything, my world building and things like that, even my dialogue, but um, the the, the vast consensus seemed to be that they really dug my battle scenes. You know, I I didn't rewrite it at all. It was pretty, they seemed to flow out of me, uh, maybe because, um, you know, again, I've read a lot of, uh, I'm a history major, so I've read a lot of of battles, uh, famous historical battles um, throughout the course of history. And I think being in law enforcement, uh, unfortunately, confrontations is part of what you do. They're they're quick, they're they're bloody, and and they're random in terms of the violence. And uh, you know that's how I write them.
1: Were there any characters that weren't in the original manuscript that sort of started to whisper in your ear and say, "I need some lines,
0: please"? There was uh, only one, and that character was based on my stepdaughter, and that character is Lysy, who's become probably for a lot of people who read the book, one of their favorite characters. Uh, Lysi does the author a lot. She challenges his beliefs. Uh, she does not back down from him. Um, when he's being obstinate, she can be just as obstinate. Um, she's also very pragmatic. and 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 she's one of the few people that are capable of making him think differently about the world as he sees it. And uh, that's the one character that kept asking for more and more agency and her agency grows as the series grows, goes on. And, and I think it's just, she has to be there. And then it just took off from there. Yeah, they just take over. Sometimes the characters just run wild. And, and like, it's weird to feel like you've lost control of your character, that they've you know uh, taken over part of your work that is beyond your capacity. as a person who's actually putting it together to stop them from, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And those
1: ones are the most fun to write. Did your kids read A Drowned Kingdom?
0: Yes. Um, not all seven of them. We have, I have seven. Between Deb and I, we have seven. Um, not all of them have finished it yet. Um, the ones that have read it, um, for the most part, thankfully, they seem to really like it. I hope they're not just saying that, but they seem to really uh, like it. I know one, one especially really likes it. And again, for him, it's funny. The same thing, that comment you made, it isn't his normal thing, but he's like, what's the next one coming out? He's really Uh, into it. So um, that's that's Deb's youngest son. So I'm humbled that they want to read it. I think for them as well, um, I've kind of dropped hints before that each one of them uh, has essentially uh, their personality is written into some of the characters. So of course, uh, yes. So I think that's intrigued them. I think it's fun for them. Oh, it's cool. You know, my dad or my stepdad wrote this book and oh, that's me. He based it after me. And I think that's kind of cool.
1: What was the most challenging piece for you in the last 18 to 20 months?
0: It's hard to say the most challenging. I think there's three that are probably equally challenging. One is the editing, because I hate it. It's so important. It's the probably most critical part of of the, the publication process to get that pristine manuscript in, you know, get it clean so that when it's out, you know when you're flipping through and it drove me crazy i found one mistake i was like oh my god and after all that you know you go blind to your work and even your editors editors only guarantee you in the 90 percentile 90 percentile of, of of making everything correct and i've found mistakes in even big trad books from you know the big houses and mm-hmm. so i know what happens but it's still like ah oh, you know so you want that that perfectionist in you as a writer the marketing part is a beast and i'm so blessed to have deb who is has a lot of expertise in marketing so we we do a lot of it together but the marketing as a self-published author dana that's that's a beast and and you know i feel like i'm struggling you know and i feel that it's just, just so much to 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 get done in so little time and 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 you know a lot of times i don't feel like i'm making that impact that i should i mean i've had pretty strong sales and things are overall going well but you still feel like there's so much more you could do and but you know and of course i'm a novice at it right and and then probably the biggest thing is book two, you think would be so much easier than book one, but book two comes with all those pressures and expectations of, okay, I have to make this so much better than the book one is that better. I have to address, you know, uh, a lot of the critiques and criticism, uh, that, that people said, but still I have to keep the really good parts that people said, you know, to keep, uh, and you, it really gets into your head and, and then that whole imposter syndrome, you know, really can play with your mind those were the tough things
1: what's your writing process like do you write at a certain time of day do you do you write in a certain
0: order I am so scattered Dan. I'm so all over the place and that's so not me like normally I feel I'm a fairly organized person but I write totally chaotic I think the creative side of my brain is very different from the the creative (laughs) side of me is very different for the rest of me you know like the creative side is spontaneous and blah blah and the other side is very predictable and And i'm a plotter so i work shift work so it's virtually impossible for me to write the same time every day i work for different shifts um and because of shift work i have different levels of energy some and especially based on sleep patterns which are erratic and some days or weeks i don't feel like writing a darn thing and so i don't and then some days i write Maniacally for hours and hours, or they can't stop. And oh my gosh, I have to go to work. I have to vacuum. I have to, you know, do something or cut the grass. Or and I don't want to stop, but I have to stop. And you know, and and that's the hard part. I wish I could be one of those people uh, that could subscribe and stick to a specific writing regimen, like writing so many words a day, blah blah blah. Um, I can't do it. Um, I write when I feel inspired, and when I don't, I don't. And that's basically it. I know that's not very scientific, but um, you know, that's that's how I roll. So.
1: Do you find, so when you're in like that creative zone and you're writing like crazy and then you have to stop because you have to go to work, do you find that very disruptive to, and and a challenge to get back to that zone again?
0: Well, it depends on where I am. Uh, If I'm on that high, high that I can't come down, I'm like in the car, I'm recording voice notes to myself on the way back from work. I'm writing (laughs) In the middle of the night, I got up. Oh, I got to scribble this down because that needs to go in there. You know how it is, right? Like, like you, you're it's it's obsessive, right? And you're like there, but then unfortunately, you have those times where yeah, it gets derailed, and then like oh, I want to get back soon to it, but I can't. I got nothing, and then you know you just kind of go okay, well, try it another day, right? I'm learning one thing I have learned, and I'm getting better is just with going with it. I just go with it now, um, you know. So as long as I meet my deadlines, I've I've taught myself into that i meet my deadlines it doesn't matter if i wrote 50 pages yesterday or zero as long as that self imposed deadline and you know i have a wife that's she's going to keep me on task <laughs> I, bet, I better be, i better be on time and that's all i really I worry about
1: it's good that she keeps you accountable cuz it's so easy when you're in the self publishing world and you set your deadlines to just kind of
0: shift the goalposts a little whenever you need to <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a little bit <laughs> yeah no she's fantastic i couldn't do this without her she is my rock and my support and she's so wonderful and um doing it with your partner your life partner is a phenomenal experience that you know uh i i i'm so blessed to have i wish i could have the continuity in the writing that some of my friends do like you know and maybe i'll get there one day but uh right now i uh, know maybe we're retired. Yeah.
1: So what does that retirement vision look like?
0: Where are you going to be? That retirement vision looks like hopefully in about nine years, God willing, I'll spend half my year in Barbados, which is where my mother is now, where she's from, uh, where I'm also a citizen. And I'll spend my, uh, as soon as the clock turns November and the the leaves have fallen and starts getting a bit chilly, uh, I'm going to be like, see you guys. And I'll see you in six months and I'll be, I'll be in the sun and and fun uh, for, Uh, six months and then i'll be back um you know in the spring To i love canada canada is where i was born it's my home and and i'll never give up canada but i do love barbados and it's my second home i'm hoping that's going to be the retirement plan and still writing
1: yeah maybe then you can have a schedule or maybe not (laughs) (laughs) maybe the call of the ocean or the call of the sea will be too much oh Just like in A Drowned Kingdom, The Call of the Sea was too (laughs) much. That's
0: good. That's good. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) The writer
1: brain never quits. That was completely accidental and unintentional, by the way. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate this time that you've spent with me talking about A Drowned Kingdom. I wish you the best success. It's a phenomenal story. And in this house, we are eagerly awaiting book two. No pressure.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm so honored. Thank you so much, uh, Dana, for having me. It was fantastic. Uh, book two is on the way. Uh, it will be out uh, God willing in spring of 2022. Awesome. Um,
1: congratulations again.
0: Thank you so much. And congratulations to you. Please keep in touch. Don't be oh, a stranger. I know you gonna be really busy over the next little while, but you know, you're a wonderful person, you know, thank honored you. to know you. So, you know, uh, please keep in touch. And I want to be keeping tabs on you as, as you blow up into. You know as your writing career continues to climb and you know so oh i can say i knew her she interviewed me back then i knew i know her i seriously i'm not lying i know her I, yeah i have her i have her email everything.
1: this brings us to the end of another episode of what were you thinking you can buy paul's book a drowned kingdom directly on his website plstuart.com or wherever you buy your books You can have a look at my own books by visiting danagoldstein.ca. And if you have listened to this podcast before, I'd really appreciate it if you would take the time to rate and review. Thanks for giving me your ears once again. Thanks for sticking around for the few extra seconds. As you know, I always ask this question at the end of the episode.
0: Tell me something not a lot of people know about you, Paul. Not a lot of people know about me. Um, I think one thing not a lot of people know about me is that I am pretty. I'm pretty laid back. I'm pretty much, you know, hey, if it happens, it happens. Does it? It doesn't. I think writing is one of the few things that I've become a bit less like that. But yeah, I'm pretty like I'm pretty chill.
1: It, that doesn't compute for me because I never, I would never think that you weren't chill. So I don't know, like, is there a vibe I'm missing?
0: <laughs> well, I think because when you're in law enforcement, I think people have a certain perception. And whenever I say that people think, oh, and they, oh, okay. You're one of those guys. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty chill. And, and I, and I think that's just part of my personality uh, and i that's how I, I am, I'm the same person when I, I, I put on the uniform, so. Tell me what those three boxes are and I'll make it 30. You should get out. Can you at least point me to Atlantis? Arthur Curry. Also known as Protector of the Oceans. The Aquaman. I hear you can talk to fish.